Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato, my trusted colleague, executive producer, co-anchor of the series, Mary Gamba. Are we doing all right, Mary? I'm doing great. Always great to be here for Lessons in Leadership on News 12 Plus and all the other great places we air. Do you want me to plug now or do we wait till later? No, because I was about to sing Lady in Red, but you know. And it's so funny. Elvin before said it's red. I thought it was coral. I'm trying to switch it up a little bit. And um, it's so hard as a woman co-anchor, which I, I actually believe I now I am, trying to find different colors and different styles. Men have it easy. You get to wear the same suit, just change up the tie. But I'm telling you, it's a tough world out there for women trying to find different things. You know, before we introduce Pat Delacava, I just realized that uh, we've turned the show into a fashion show. I just want to clarify. <laughs> hey, Mary, let everybody know who pays for the show and why it matters, and then we'll introduce our good friend, Pat. Sure. I'd love to thank all of our sponsors. We have Gibbons PC. We have Valley Bank. We have the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and we have Prager Metis. And uh, you can also find us um, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. And as always, check us out on our website, stand-deliver.com. It'll be right there up on the web, on our screen. So you can check us out there to get a lot of great free resources. So, Good stuff. Hey, listen, one of our new partners at Lessons in Leadership is, in fact, uh, Local 102, the IBEW, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. The business manager at 102 is Pat Patrick. R. Delacava. How you doing, Pat? I'm doing well, Steve. Thanks for having me. And also, thanks for having us into your family and entrusting us with the Leadership Academy that we're actually creating and working with you and your colleagues and Bernie Corrigan, the folks there, on um, creating a leadership curriculum that really will help your folks be the best they can be. Let me ask you this. Electricians, electrician professionals, right? All part of your union, correct? Correct. Why do they need to be great leaders? Can't they just be good electricians? Uh, they could, but they're going to end up in leadership roles uh, eventually. There's going to be a foreman on every job. They're going to get elevated possibly into an office position. A lot of upward mobility out of the trenches and into the office here. So they could end up being a project manager, a labor supervisor, estimator. They could end up doing computer-aided design and building image modeling inside an employer's office. So that's why it's all about training. Uh, but yes, they're gonna be in leadership roles. There's gonna be a lead man in every two-man crew deciding how to go about uh, performing their tasks. And there's gonna be a foreman for roughly every 10 employees. So they're all gonna find themselves in leadership roles sooner or later. But you know what, Pat, the other thing is on the Leadership Academy, I looked at the roster, there are some women as well. There are women in your profession. I want to just clarify that, right? Yes, yes. And uh, forgive me, because a lot of times we just refer to them as the men. But yes, we have plenty of women within our ranks. And, uh, and we're hoping for them to move up as well into leadership roles. Before I have Mary jump in, I need to ask you this. When I first met you, I always knew uh, about you. And then our good mutual friend, Greg Lalavi over at um, 825, told me about you. And I was like, you know something? The one thing I always heard about Delacava is he's a straight shooter. You know exactly where he's coming from. He doesn't BS anyone. And it's your leadership style. There's more to it than that. But here's my question. Where and how did you learn about being a really good leader? Uh, well, you know, my grandfather took over the laborers union in Patterson when he was 21. And he, he ran that union unopposed in his elections until he was 65. Uh, my Uncle Tom had taken over a steam fitter plumber uh, union in Patterson as well. That ended up being merged into Local 274. 
and my dad was everything from chairman of the e-board here to uh, ended up being a business manager in the end before he retired. So I had three really good mentors uh, sitting at Sunday dinner, having a glass of wine, eating macaroni with my grandfather, getting all the good lessons. Uh, now, listen, things have changed since he ran the union, and that's what we've done. We've taken a different tact and... Um, we do a lot more business development now. We do a lot more politics now, but you know, I've taken the uh, old school tried and true knowledge from, uh, from my peers and uh, you know, my seniors and tried to apply it to modern times. So the bottom line is before Mary jumps in here is those old school leadership and life lessons are valuable, Pat, but at the same time, uh, we're big on innovation. We're big on evolving. We're big on adapting and those industries, those organizations, be it, we're talking about Blockbuster in this great book. It's all about Netflix and talks about, I don't know if you knew this, Pat, but Netflix went to Blockbuster in the year 2000 and said, hey, we want you to buy us. And Blockbuster said, nah, we don't think it's a good deal. And then you know the rest of the story about Blockbuster versus Netflix. Evolving, adapting, changing a necessity in your industry, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's usually you try and get 10 years ahead of uh, new technology that's coming out. So like we're doing a lot of solar installation now, but we were training in that 20 years ago. So we try and identify the new technologies that are coming out. Uh, you know, that's where our instructors come in too. Uh, the training center we run, our instructors go away for training for two weeks every year to upgrade their skills. I wouldn't feel comfortable having an educator that didn't upgrade their skills constantly. And they're ones that will actually identify new technologies for us to embrace and start training. And like the CAD and BIM, the computer-aided design building image modeling. Right. We've been teaching that for quite some time downstairs. And uh, when we build the big data centers in New Jersey, that's where that is implemented. And, um, you know, we'll just constantly identify what's coming our way. And we try and get ahead of it. Same thing with telecom. At one time, the phone companies did all the uh, computer work on projects and then it got pushed into the construction union. So, you know, we've been training in fiber optics and, and uh, things of that nature at Cat5 for years. You know, we're now very interested in 5G and things of that nature. And um, so it's all about training, training, safety, um, and getting out there ahead of the industry, positioning yourself for capture, like the old Wayne, Gretzky quote, don't go where, yeah, the, puck where is, the puck is, where the puck's going to be. Where the going to be. Exactly. Yeah, but as, as Mary jumps back in, Mary, one of the things in my mind, and we'll talk about this with Patrick, is it's hard to know. I'm looking, Patrick, did you see right away I went like this? <laughs> right away. Okay, because I'm on with a paisana, but, here, but here's the thing. Gretzky said that about go where the puck is, not where it is, but what it's going to be. But isn't it harder than ever, Mary, as we go back with Patrick? Yeah to know where the heck the puck's gonna be because there are so many uncertainties, so many variables. We're living in the age of COVID and beyond. There's, how the heck do you know where the puck is? Go ahead, Mary. Well, I know, it, it's so funny. Well, too. you Go might ahead, as Mary. well, you said it better than I could have said it because that's what I was gonna say. I know, Patrick, you were talking about the fact that sure, you need to plan 10 years ahead, but with COVID, no better lesson was learned that you don't know where we're gonna be a week from now, a month from now. How did you adapt during the last few months? I mean. Uh, you're obviously the business that you're in, you're essential, you need to get in, we need to keep the lights on. So how did you all adapt and what lessons did you learn in terms of not only keeping your own team safe, but uh, also keeping the public safe because you're out there every day in very uncertain times. 
Right. So uh, the good news is a lot of the crew, we've been through four disasters here, right? So we went through 9-11, we went through the 08 market crash, we went through Hurricane Sandy, and now this. So it's kind of a battle-ready crew. So as soon as COVID hit, uh, Bernie Cargan, our president, Dave Fiore, the assistant business manager, they had already immediately um, gone to, like, we refer our men to work virtually, um, but they were coming in person to sign the book. So we had to stop that. We had to adapt all the safety protocols. We run the training center. The, um, the apprentices could no longer come here. We were probably one of the first teaching our lessons over Zoom. Within two weeks, we're up and running fully on Zoom. We do require a lot of hands-on training that had to be put off to the end. And when the governor allowed us to come back in, we bought the, the fog machine to, to take care of everything every day. We had our whole business disinfected. You know, we're also landlords. We own this building. We have tenants. We had to protect them. We had to constantly monitor the job sites to uh, make sure our men were protected. I will say this to you, electricians and construction workers in general, they do work alongside death quite a bit. We do have members who get killed on a job as do many of the other trades. It's why safety is, is paramount for us. Um, so we would monitor the projects. We were, there were certain general contractors and construction managers not doing a good job. We had a pushback on them. We also interfaced with the governor a lot when he was trying to decide what to keep open, you know, because also the state needed income. If every business shut down and no That's one right. sends in payroll uh, taxes, how's he going to pay the state employees and how's he going to keep our state economy moving? So, No, no finish your point. I don't want to cut you off. But, so, uh, so, so you're aware of the economic implications, not just of keeping your members employed and working, but the spinoff impact on the state's economy is huge. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other concerns for us were you know, as executive orders came out, as stimulus packages came out, we had to read through that, sift through that, amend trust funds so we could legally adhere to it, push back on, they don't always have multi-employer uh, plans in mind. You know, we're, we're 2,500 men and women that work for 250 different employers. And when they pass executive orders and bills, they tend to overlook that. And so certain things couldn't apply to us. Uh, we're, we were thrilled that the governor kept our, our stuff going. You know, I had concerns early on about my pensioners. I have 1,400 pensioners, and I'm like, okay, if my revenue stream dries up as far as contributions, I need to have enough money to pay these folks every month. So I immediately pulled millions out of investments, parked it in cash so I could allay the fears of the pensioners and let them know, look, you guys are covered. Don't you sweat your thing. We also had healthcare concerns. You know, we were spending $50 million a year on healthcare for our members and pensioners. And um, as that revenue stream dry, would dry up, we had concerns. The local itself, I could survive for three years without any income coming in. Same thing with the training center. What we've learned through all these disasters, unlike most U.S. businesses that have about 30 days cash and reserves, we have years, same thing with our healthcare. We have a couple years cash and yeah. reserves because we know when these waves hit us, uh, it could be very difficult to keep the plans going. Pat, it's funny, you say that as we let you go, Mary, how much have I talked about our revenue stream in our not-for-profit organization and the need to be incredibly fiscally conservative? 
which I believe is a leadership trait, as opposed to rolling the dice and saying, yeah, I hope things are going to work out. Hope's not a plan, right, Mary? Yeah, hope is not a plan. And unfortunately, too many businesses, you know, when things are going good, think that, okay, you know, everything's looking good. No need to plan for that rainy day. But planning, looking ahead and just anticipating that, you know, something will go wrong is definitely the best leadership approach. And before I let you go, um, let's make it clear that Pat Dalkava, he's a team. He leads the organization. But Bernie Corrigan, as you mentioned before, you guys are a team. Like Mary and I, there's no way we would accomplish what we do if we were not a team. We have other people as well. But you and Bernie, shoulder to shoulder partners? Yes. Yes, and actually with the eight other people that work directly with us, it's, uh, you know, it's consensus building. If I have a, a vision, and I always feel like as the leader, it's your main job to be the visionary. And then you have to convince your partners that right. what you're trying to sell is the right thing to sell. And if they don't agree with you, you have to rebundle it, repackage it, rethink it. Now, when you get all them on board, you know, you have eight, 10 guys rowing the boat in the same direction. It's easy to then start in implementing yeah. it down. Well said. Hey, listen. Um, so apparently Pat Delacava says the key to learning about leadership is having Sunday gravy with your family, with pasta, some people call it macaroni, and sitting there <laughs> talking about life and leadership. So whatever you're eating on Sunday, make sure you get that in there as well. Hey, Pat, thank you, thank you so much for joining us on Lessons in Leadership. Uh, Mary and I appreciate it. And also, we look forward to working with you and Bernie and the team on uh, helping your people be the best leaders they can be. Thank you, Patrick. It's been a real pleasure, guys. And Mary, I think that dress is somewhere in between red and coral. By Thank the you way. very much for that yeah. affirmation. And we call it pasta sauce in our family. We don't call it gravy. So, I mean, you know. It's gravy. It's yeah, it's macaroni and gravy. And exactly. Then Mary, <laughs> Patrick and I are going to leave that alone, okay? Uh, thank you, lady in red, or whatever that color is. Thank you, Patrick. We'll be right thank back right after this. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by... Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gambit. Mary, let's plug our sponsors just real quick. Happy to do so. So we have our wonderful sponsors, Prager Metis. We have the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. We have Valley Bank and Gibbons PC. And by the way, the next time we record Lessons in Leadership, there will be a couple of new sponsors. We'll be proud to announce those. Uh, Mary, real quick, Patrick Delacava, interesting stuff. So many um, compelling um, areas that he touched on, particularly innovating. Someone says a union's a union. No, it's not. A union has to evolve and adapt. And even though he learned, learned a lot of old school lessons about leadership from his family members, from his uh, father, et cetera, that's not good enough long-term. It teaches you a lot, but if you're not evolving, you're dying. Correct. And, and, and you can go both ways. A lot of people end up uh, turning too much to their past to say, oh, you know, I'm this way because I had a horrible upbringing and the reason I'm mean or angry. But uh, on the flip side, there's so many people like Patrick and like you and I have discussed so many times that 
lean on their history to learn, to grow, and as you said, to innovate and to con continually change and just evolve and make yourself and your organization better. Hey, listen, Mary, real quick, we got Jose Lozano coming up, who's president and CEO of Choose New Jersey. But the one thing that I want people to pay attention to is, by the way, Mary Gamba, you may not have picked this up because she always looked good before, but since this COVID thing happened, she's lost, I don't know, 20 pounds, she says? 20 pounds and counting, yeah. So still have a few more to go, but just tone in and, and using it as an opportunity. The hours not spent in the car going to and from the office every day are instead spent walking, getting some exercise and uh, Jose is going to talk about that in the next episode as well, just talking about uh, the Peloton. I know you're a huge fan of the Peloton, Steve. That's I... Peloton bike. I was on mm -hmm. my bike this morning. Before yep, yep. First of all, Scarlin, who's handling the camera here, he makes me look fat and old and out of shape because <laughs> he's in ridiculous shape. I had to, I'm doing the Peloton. I'm hitting the weights. Someone says, well, what's that about? Well, hey, you got to fight your age. But the other thing is this. To me, I, there's a real connection between fitness, health, taking care of yourself, and having the energy to be the leader you need to be, you Agreed. say? Agreed completely. It's all about just clearing your mind. For me, it's every day, you know, at the end of the day, the dog knows the time, she runs in, gets that leash on, we take at least a three, four mile walk, and just clearing your mind. So many of us just get stuck in a rut, and if you don't take that time to take care of yourself, there's no way that you could take care of others. And I'm convinced beyond the mental health, the emotional part of it, I'm hardcore about this. I really do believe there's an energy level. I really do believe that whatever the endorphins going on in your brain when you're working out, they kick in. It's a long day, and it's not just about us. Whatever you do professionally, it's a long day. Whatever you do at home managing kids, it's a long day. You ever see people just dragging at the end of the day? I'm not gonna turn into a Tony Robbins thing and start criticizing people and being nasty and in their face. And listen, Tony, I know you're making a good living, but I'm never a fan of confronting people that way. I gotta tell you something, taking care of yourself, being fit, being healthy, has a lot to do with having the energy you need for a long, tough day with the challenges we face. I'm off my soapbox, I'm done. Right now, Jose Lozano, head of Choose New Jersey, talks about his experience in getting healthier and being the best leader he can be. By the way, Mary and I, we'll catch you next time on Lessons in Leadership. We're now joined by our good friend, Jose Lozano, president and CEO of Choose New Jersey. Good to see you, Jose. Hey, great seeing you, Steve. Uh, give everybody the uh, short version of what Choose is. Uh, Choose New Jersey is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that focuses on economic development for New Jersey. So we bring in, uh, not only do we recruit companies to come into New Jersey, but we do a lot of the marketing and sell the, the great assets of New Jersey. All right, I'm putting you on the spot. You ready? We were talking before we got on the air about the importance of taking care of oneself. I mean, leaders ah. have to, you can't lead others until you learn to lead yourself and take care of yourself. You That's have right. now, uh, you're on a fitness kick, are you not? Please disclose. Yes, yes, yeah, I, uh, my COVID-19 COVID purchase was, uh, was a Peloton, not only for me, but for my family, and it's been, it's been a life changer. What, in all seriousness, how has it helped you lead this challenging, organiz this organization in this incredibly challenging and difficult uncertain environment. You know, in these sort of uncertain times, I think mental clarity is by far the most important part. And with so many of us unable to actually go out, we've been cooped up in our homes for 
eight, 10, 12 hours a day and just wanting to get a little bit of a change of scenery and just getting some clarity. Um, and even though running has been a wonderful thing to do here and there, but being able to find the most efficient way is to jumping on a quick bike and doing a 20 minute ride, 30 minute ride, doing a little bit of a scenic ride and just having someone just motivate you and giving yourself 40 minutes of mental clarity before you start to go back and make some, some of the tougher decisions. And by the way, to disclose this as well, um, I'm a big Peloton um, <laughs> rider, if you will. My wife rides much longer and faster than I do, my wife Jennifer. But I will say that for me, it really does help get me focused early in the day, long day of taping. And also yeah. to talk about leadership, John Foley, who is the co-founder of Peloton, check out uh, steveautobato.org in the interview that we did with him. Because Peloton, it, this is where I'm going. Trust me, there's a point to this. Jose, innovation. Peloton had a studio with a bunch of people in it. They're all there together with the instructors. COVID happens. Nobody's in that studio except the instructor. They are now leading classes remotely. Yeah. You and I have been talking about innovation for several years now. COVID and innovation and the members of Choose make the connection. Absolutely. It's agility. It's actually being able to make the decisions and being able to set up processes on, on your feet, right? And so being able to recruit a company where beforehand we were able to actually go out and see them or they came and saw us, we are now doing virtual tours of sites. We are not only talking to them electronically, we're making videos and we're making the coming to New Jersey come to life. And so it, it is taking the challenges that are put in front of you and really adapting in a very quick, uh, in a very quick way. Yeah, you know, you're uh, big on as I am, relationship building. You and I enjoy our breakfast together <laughs> and we get to talk, we let, get to share, we get to commiserate and talk about challenges and how we face them, et cetera. Right. It is harder to build relationships face to face. Now it's one thing for people who've been friends for a long time, like the two of us, but isn't it more difficult for someone you've never actually met face to face? Absolutely. It is extremely difficult. That that people-to-people -people connection is what really transpires when you're really trying to get a company CEO or you're getting a company leadership to make a big, big decision about relocating their company, expanding. And their people, relocating their people. They're people. They want you to be able to connect. They want to know who, who Jose's family is and where do your kids go to school and what do you do on the weekends? Because they know at the end of the day, you know, uh, we work to live. We don't live to work, right? And so people want this holistic approach and where this holistic community and where folks are going to be able to grow their company and make their employees happy. And sometimes, you know, the, it's much harder when you're trying to do it on a video call versus that in-person to in-person. As you know, like I'm a big hugger, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about my life. I'm going to tell you what's going on. And it's really difficult these days. I can't hug everyone. You know, the other thing, think about hugging, by the way, a great book called hugging your customers by our great friend, Jack Mitchell. It's called hug your customers. And uh, we've had Jack on before, uh, but, but Jose is right. He is a hugger. You know, we come from ethnic backgrounds. Each of us we're hugging and physical contact, big part of it, which leads me to this. You have to raise money, we have to raise money, right? That's right. You have to persuade. The art of persuasion a big, is a big part of the art of leadership. Exactly. Is it harder to persuade, particularly when it comes to raising money remotely? 
It is extremely difficult because you are trying to get someone to invest in a vision. And even though you can articulate a vision in writing and you can articulate it, you know, in a video screen, but they want to understand, they want to feel, um, they want to feel that energy and that, that, that mindful and that team that's right behind that vision that they're about to invest in. Um, and I know that there are some organizations who really want to invest in choose and have extremely limited resources. Um, and so, even though sometimes they're not able to commit financially right this single second, I will continue to build on that relationship. And hopefully at some point when they're able to make those financial commitments, they can do so. But th that not having that face-to-face -face contact has made it extremely difficult, not impossible, but makes it a bit more challenging. Jose, how do you think over time, the idea that more and more organizations, ours being one of them, doing our work remotely, obviously, mm -hmm. um, we're giving up a big, piece of our office space, a big part of our office space. We're not convinced we need it. Um, how do you believe, how do you think that longer term, if more and more organizations do what we're doing, like you need less office space, how does that impact not only the work environment, but also the economic vitality of the state? Yeah, so, so a couple of things. I think folks can absolutely assess that they have been equal to maybe not as productive, but have been equally as productive. Where I don't think folks have taken the time and spent time is assessing the, the, the level of creativity and collaboration, which you will not get electronically. And right. so I think folks are looking at in the short term, okay, we're, we're working part of TV, we're, we're, we're checking the boxes off, we're moving things along. But I think when it comes to very difficult decisions and collaborations and strategy and getting 20 folks in a room to brainstorm how we're gonna move an organization forward, you can't have that electronically. It has to be in person. You, you have to feel the room. And so I, I think organizations may go virtual for a bit because we have to. Um, but I think at the end of the day, we will go back to an in-person because people will start to see the level of creativity is significantly down. And just play this point out for a second. Jose and I have had countless interviews in our studio. I believe last time you were with us at NJTV in Newark uh, in the same physical location where Choose is, right? That's right. That's right. And look, I, okay, say that we think this is pretty good. All right, this is a pretty good interview. How much different is it when you are literally two feet across from me, we're looking right at each other, sitting on the desk at NJTV? How much different? You know, I think it's I think it's a little different. I, I think the one part is that video conferencing has not been able to master is feeling the energy of the room and understanding right. body language and where you can you can see a couple of inches left and right of of a body language, but you're you're, you're just you're not seeing how much you're kind of leaning into this, this sort of the situation. And you know, I can't hear that you just may have sighed or maybe you did that gentle nod that I may not have been able to capture on video screen. I would have captured it in person, and so. I I think the social cues is something really important and we're not spending enough time really evaluating that. And by the way, to Jose's point, let's disclose this, Jose. Jose's actually right there in my screen, but I have to look directly into the camera. And so therefore, I'm not picking up his cues, but the, rea the reality is we have to also play to our audience and you wanna make sure it looks like we're looking at each other. So if I'm staring at Jose here, the audience is saying, what are you doing, Steve? Is it, it, takes, it takes practice to communicate effectively, present effectively with remote technology, right? 
Absolutely. And we're blessed that we have really good technology that doesn't allow the cost to drop or some sort of hesitation and there's some level of clarity. We need to take a step back and there's a lot of organizations that do not have the, the, the monetary resources to make those sort of significant investments. And so the, the people to people connections and the people to people face to face will never go away. When it will happen is, is, is up for grabs, but it'll come back. I'm hoping sooner rather than later. Final question, how bullish are you on the economy of New Jersey in these incredibly difficult times? I feel extremely optimistic. Um, and I know not everyone may share that with me. I think this is a time for this state to shine. We have had significant, um, some of the best leadership we've had in the country and with the response to this sort of pandemic. We have health, great healthcare systems. Well, that Governor have actually, Murphy Governor his, his administration has been one of the most um, most solid governors in this country in the way he's responding, making very difficult decisions when it's been extremely unpopular. He has done a spectacular job and CEOs and organizations and C-suite folks have been seeing that across the country. People want to establish a company where they know that there's strong leadership to make those tough decisions, especially when it comes to the health and the safety of folks. Um, and so I do believe not only his leadership, I think the assets, like I just mentioned, the hospital systems, our education systems, I do believe that this is a time for our state to shine. And as folks start to diversify and look at what their future companies need to look like, calling New Jersey home may be something that for the betterment may happen. We have a great balance of suburban, urban, you have a easy, you could do mass transit, but you have easy access to communities that allows you to get outside and enjoy life, especially during this pandemic. And some of the things that we've taken for granted for so long, folks have actually started to enjoy during these, these COVID times. By the way, finally, let's also make it clear that Choose works closely with the New Jersey Economic Development Authority and our good friend, Tim Sullivan there. Um, and you can check out our interviews with Tim as well. Hey, Jose, um, you're doing great. Keep uh, riding on that Peloton bike. <laughs> and best to you and the uh, great team at Choose New Jersey. Thanks, my friend. Good to you, Steve. Thank you. Great seeing you. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gabba, has been provided by NJ On Air, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.